You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and you're listening to Reality Check Radio. Today, we're diving into the topic of creating positive impact, something I've literally been so obsessed with my entire life, and I'm so thrilled to dive into this topic. My guest today is Sally Maybell, and she is all about the voice of leadership. Welcome, Sally. Hi, Natalie. Lovely to be here. Nice to meet you. So good to have you on the show. So if you guys haven't heard of Sally, um, Sally Maybell, excuse me, let me say it correctly, is the voice of leadership specialist for the past 30 plus years. She's worked with hundreds of professionals and aspiring leaders here in New Zealand and overseas in building the essential leadership skills of vocal presence, emotional connection, and courage. She's the author of The Voice of Leadership, Six Keys to Presence, Influence, and Creative Confidence. She's also an award-winning uh, interfaith minister and a music piece, a musical piece activist. She will reveal some common obstacles which may be preventing us from getting our messages across. I'm so excited to dive into this because I do feel like, you know, I work a lot with people around their voice and I always touch my throat. And I'm excited to hear your expertise on how the average person, not just people that are speakers and business people, but the average person can really create a positive impact and specifically with their voice. So welcome to the show, Sally. If you can kick us off, giving us a little bit of backstory about how things have been for you in the past three years. Well, uh, thank you, Natalie. Thanks for that lovely introduction. And basically, gosh, you're talking 2020, it seems ages ago, but 2020, it started out where I had to cancel my overseas trip to go back and see my family back in the Philadelphia area. And I had it all planned out and I had a couple um, events I was going to lead and that was really, really disappointing. Um, so it started out that way. And then I quickly realized when we got locked down, I was terrified, you know, we were all terrified of dying. Um, when we got locked down, I thought, well, heck, I can't go out and do speeches and, you know, be, be facilitating groups. I, what am I going to do? So I did. Um, I started a voice of leadership mentoring group for women online for six months. So for six months, we met twice a month. Um, and there was just seven women. And we did the we went through the book. Everybody got a copy of the book. We went through the steps. So it, it ended up being a great time to practice this online stuff that I'd been wanting to do for years. Um, and then I also did something. I decided instead of being afraid, I was going to do a song a day. And I was going to sing online a sing-along song a day for lockdown. And I, I thought I'd do, you know, maybe 10 days, right? Who knew it was going to be, what, 40 days or something? I can't remember how many days it was. So I've got um, an interfaith song a day from lockdown. And I, I took some of them down because I realized I, I pushed myself to do these songs and some of them were not that great. I didn't feel good about them. So <laughs> they're not all up there, but that was quite fun. So for me, it, it really caused a spur of creativity in that way, you know, the lockdown, it was like, damn it, I'm not going to be pushed down by this. I'm going to you know, generate some more energy. This is going to be a creative spark for me. And I was living in a caravan during the lockdown. So I was confined to a caravan with all this online creativity. It was interesting. Um, and then 
what else happened? Oh, and then terrible thing. I think it was 21. That was when the loudspeakers started to come out over, you know, from the, the trucks around my street saying, get your job, free hot chocolate for the kids. Come on down. And this was all through the neighborhood. People were going down through with with cars screaming about get your jab. And I felt like I had to kind of hide away because I wasn't going out to get my jab. Um, so You're that like, was quite for the hot yeah, exactly. So it was quite stressful for me. Um, and we started an online group, a support group, which again was good. And, and I think we started to find, you know, our tribe of folks who believed in freedom and believed in you know the ability to ask questions and such. Um, so that those parts were good, but it was horrifying, Natalie. I think it was 2021 when we were kicked out of where we were living. Uh, it was so devastating. We lived there for four years and the community voted that if you weren't jabbed, you had to leave. Um, you know, no, no, no talk, no discussion, just boom. So we were kicked out. Fortunately, I left Auckland. Um, and fortunately, I have a mother-in-law in Topo here. So we moved in with my mother-in-law a year, you know, 20, the end of 21, I think it was. Yeah. And then 2022, I thought I've got to reinvent myself. Okay. So now we've, we're into the third year, right? 2022, I started a fellowship circle here in Kinlock. We called it the Kinship Circle. Cute, and cute. Um, we met twice a month. And I, and I had a couple people call me and say I was being a bad girl because I was holding meetings during the time where, you know, you weren't supposed to go out in public and such, but I rented the local hall. I ran singing classes. Ooh, bad girl. Um, but people were thrilled. The folks who were confined and couldn't get out of their house. We opened, of course we were responsible. We opened all the doors, opened all the windows and we sang and it felt so good after being locked down to just liberate the voice. Right. So Although it was terrible and horrible and um, isolating and alienating and scary, it was also a creative spurt. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like for everyone, it was challenging in its own way. And it sounds like for you, it, it, it brought out or it, you, you brought out that creativity in you and you brought people together, which is, which is so what was needed. And so what is still needed now is for people to unite and reunite. And there's nothing like singing. I actually interviewed a singer a few weeks ago. I, you know, I used to be in a band myself back in the day. And there's something about singing and just expressing yourself in that way. is just so freeing. It's so that's right. amazing. That's um, that's amazing. I love Kinlock as well in Taupo. So um, let's talk about the, the vocal leadership. You're a vocal leadership specialist. What exactly does that mean? What exactly does that entail? Okay. Well, basically what it means, it, it, it's been a rebranding through the years. I started out in Boulder, Colorado um, in 1991 as the life design specialist. And then I changed it when I moved to New Zealand to the empowerment coach. And then it was, hmm, no, I think I'll free your authentic voice. No, then I think I'll do, no, no, born to sing. So there've been a lot of iterations. <laughs> and then in 2000 and what was it? 2008, I was in the National Speakers Association, Professional Speakers Association of New Zealand. And we had to come up with a brand. And I thought, 
I said, this is the voice of leadership. That's what I do. You know, all the, you know, and so what is it? What is it? Voice of leadership is that voice that you speak with when you feel clear, you feel confident, you feel connected, you feel passionate, you feel in your mojo. That's the voice of leadership. And does everybody have one? Everyone does have one. And it is um, sometimes a process to bring one's voice of leadership out because many of us have been damaged, wounded, suppressed. You know, nobody's alone. We've all had these issues growing up. No one had the perfect upbringing. And so there are lots of issues that get in the way of our voice of leadership. So that's what I do. I help people get over those issues and I help people to use their voices and to enjoy their voices and to maximize the power and impact of their voice. And I mean, this is a a generalization, but I I just really want to ask you, you know, I'm from Canada, you're from America. I'm, you know, genetically, I'm a Kiwi, you know, you've lived here 19 years. It's like, do you feel, I feel like, I feel like in New Zealand, there are more and more people speaking up and specifically over the past three years, because we've been squeezed for whatever reason, whether it was a job or a financial or disagreeing with somebody, we, a lot of people have suddenly had the more of a sense of urgency or courage to speak up and speak their truth. Um, but I think until now, a lot of Kiwis, I don't want to generalize, but I did find they, they do want, they don't want, they don't like to rock the boat. Um, you know, and they like to just keep the peace, but I feel like something good that's come out of the last three years is people have now took, taken a stand and, and been speaking their truth a little bit more. Have you noticed that yourself? Yes. And in fact, I think you're right as an American, um, uh, it's quite funny. I feel like I started to, I had to tone myself down quite a bit when I got here and, and not in a bad way, but in a way of being a bit more considerate of the the psychic space in terms of talking to people. Um, And I have noticed that most Kiwis were afraid to speak up, but this situation has fueled the passion and the anger, the righteous anger, the good anger, the anger that is fuel for truth and for righteousness. And the folks who've been suppressed it, it um it brought out that damn you know darn it i'm not going to be suppressed i've got to speak i can't hold back anymore there's no time this is an urgent situation you know so it, it did bring up that urgency and different issues brought it up for different people you know some people sat silent while their family members like me were sitting outside the restaurant because <laughs> they couldn't get in. Some people that didn't bother them, but you know, maybe when they bring in certain taxes uh, for under, under the climate change thing, or maybe when they hear like a few weeks ago, when we did my show, keeping kids safe and suddenly people hear what they're actually teaching your children in school. Okay. That will force some people who until now have kept quiet to actually rise up or to start to question things um, outside of their own mind. So that's, I think, different things for different people. That's right. And that and that fierce, I like to call it sort of the fierce mother lion that says, you're not touching my babies, you know. You know, that fierceness rises up when it's challenged. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And that was me for sure. When they started talking about the teenagers and the kids, I could not mm. hold that. Mm. 
Um, and I know just before I move on, I know you also have worked a lot with, I think, executives and people in the and different, you know, the health industry and IT and banking and things. Um, do you think the vocal leadership work that you do, I imagine that is for everybody. What do you think is the thing that holds people back the most from truly being able to express their true voice or the true yeah. message? Well, there's a number of things. Um one of them, the big one, which you've probably, I haven't listened to all your shows, but I imagine you've touched on this. Uh, the big one is the voice of shame. And the voice of shame says two things. Either you're not good enough or who do you think you are, bossy britches? Who do you think? You, you think you're so cool? So one is trying to put down the confident, quote, arrogant person. And the one is trying to keep down the one that's not good enough. Don't dare raise your head, right? So, and then the other thing is, is people, to the way that they separate themselves from others can be either, you know, I'm a little bit too good for this person. I know a little bit more. Um, I really don't have time of day to talk to this person. That is what I would call arrogance. And then the shame is, oh, my gosh, you know, Natalie, she's so amazing. And how dare she talk to me? You know, like um, shame where I put you way above me. And the, the voice of leadership, I say, is where I'm speaking to you as a fellow human being. You know, you're not the be brave coach and I'm not the voice of leadership specialist. You are a human being full of light as I am. And if I talk to everybody like that, there's no uh, one-upmanship, and there's also no shame. So I, I aim to talk to everyone as if they're my brother and sister, and they're just another being and no labels. And that helps you speak with your voice of leadership when you can just connect with folks like that. It's so common. It's a human tendency to go, oh my gosh, I'm talking to the King of England. Or, oh my gosh, it's the president, you know, that kind of thing. And to kind of put people on pedestals or to go, oh, I can't believe I'm talking to this low life, right? Um, it is a natural for us to compare ourselves in our minds. And we to need to be just aware of that voice of judgment and put it to bay when we're speaking and we want to have an impact with someone. I love that so much. So it's, uh, yeah, right. The pedestal and then that kind of almost overqualified, like these people, I know so much more. I, I did an event a few weeks ago and one of the things I said to the to the audience, and, and it was an audience of just 20 people, I said, literally any one of you could be up here where I'm standing now. And because everyone in this room has amazing wisdom to share. And by the way, I don't really do hierarchy. Like I don't do like, you're my client and I'm your coach. And, you know, so I, I completely agree with you. I think we are people and everyone has wisdom to share with the world. Like I literally think to everyone listening right now, any one of you could be sitting across from me or, or on Zoom, wherever you live, sharing your wisdom, your reflections. When I say, how have the last three years been for you? you could, you've got a story to share. So I think, you know, I really love that you and I have that same philosophy. Everyone has so much wisdom and everyone has a voice. They're just not using it. How can we mm -hmm. help them to use it? How mm -hmm. can we help them to speak with more confidence and something else you talk about more presence? Yes. Well, it's funny, Natalie, my, vo my work has been shifting more into 
the aspect of presence. I used to do a lot of, uh, like I taught at University of Auckland, public speaking, confident, dynamic presentation skills. And there was a lot of structure of how to create a keynote speech, how to create the seven steps to crafting a powerful talk. And more and more, my mentoring has got into presence because it all boils down to, you can have the best outline in the world, but if you don't have presence, so what is this nebulous thing called presence everyone's talking about? Um, presence, another word for presence is self-awareness or mindfulness, really. Um, another word for presence, you know, positive presence is charisma or enthusiasm. So how do you have more presence? One of the things that's been very powerful is working with breath, powerful for your voice powerful for your confidence and powerful for your presence. Presence, being aware moment to moment of your feelings, your thoughts and other people's feelings and thoughts, your environment, your senses, being here and now, not in the future, not in the past, being right here. And um, so one of the things that helps you to do that is breath. And I'll just de demonstrate a little thing right now. So one of the things about breath is if you're super hyper and you're nervous before you go to speak, you want to focus on the exhale. So we'll just do now like, and often when I work with kids or teenagers, I'll say flat tire. So you go. We know that when we exhale, that stimulates what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. It calms us down. So we just want to go flat tires. And that will calm you down so that your speech is calmer. It's more grounded. It's more, you can hear my voice kind of shifted when I did that. Um, on the other hand, if you want to have more energy, say you're tired and you're depressed and you're negative and you're about to have an interview, instead of exhaling, you want to focus on your inhale. So, you know, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to inhale and fill up my lungs. Ah, you know, and, and to make, and making sound can really help bring you into presence and out of any kind of negative loop. So you could just go and big inhale and a big exhale. Ah, <laughs> when I make sound like that, and I'm, Inhaling, we know that stimulates the sympathetic nervous system, which is the energy. If you're nervous, you don't want to inhale. People hyperventilate, right? They, they can start to get like this and they can talk faster and then, then their, their speech doesn't have any gravitas or it doesn't have any kind of a groundedness, right? But if you go... And now when I speak, you can hear my voice has a lot more embodiment. And not just my voice, it's not a, it's not a performance. It's actually, although it does help the listener to hear a lovely grounded voice, it helps the listener pay attention. Um, but it helps you feel more grounded and more embodied and more connected. Now, 
You know, so in other words, if I, if I was not breathing very well and I was just talking really fast and I was getting nervous and then I wasn't having many bets, pretty soon my voice would be squeaky. And then what would happen is it would be hard for the listener to really pay attention and they don't really wouldn't want to hear me. <laughs> so grounded presence, but the converse of deep, slow breathing, approximately, they've done some uh, research in approximately six seconds to the inhale. It's pretty long and six seconds and a little slight pause and six seconds out. That pace creates a lovely, calm, centered environment. You know, if you're feeling nervous or hyper, yeah. Six seconds in, light pause, six seconds out, slight pause. So that that's a, Real tip. So funny thing is, is when I work with these executives, they, they think they're calling me in because they want a promotion, because they um, they want to impress a sales call or they're doing a big international presentation and they think they're doing, they want to get presentation tips. They end up getting breathing tips, which is really quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And because you're right, some people get so focused on the structure and I'm similar, you know, I teach people not so much keynotes, but even when I say, if you're doing a webinar or an online course, or you're being interviewed, there's four types of people in your audience. You know, there's the amiables, the analytics, et cetera, et cetera. And then I also say, you know, you want to have within that your credibility piece. You want to share a story. You want to have some data for the analytics in the audience, some facts and figures. So there's some strategy, but more than anything. You want to be yourself. And sometimes you want to slow down intentionally to really drive a point home and then intentionally pause without it feeling awkward. So there, there are some, some techniques, but you're right. I find when I listen back to my show, which by the way, I do every week, I love listening to it. I love hearing the interviews again when I'm not taking notes and I'm fully present once again. And I noticed that when I do my monologue, which is the stuff where I'm the parts when I'm just talking, I'm so much more calm and slower when I'm interviewing, I get so excited. Like I bounce off the energy of my guests and I have to, because I talk so fast, I have to really make a conscious effort to speak slower in my interview than I would uh, in the monologue. Well, I'd love to give you a tip. Yes. If you'd mind um, one tip. Because you've got beautiful energy, you've got beautiful enthusiasm, beautiful passion, and that's all great. And since you're aware that you can tend to go fast when you get excited, one really great tech technique, not only will it slow you down, it will give you more authority, a sense of, when I say authority, that sense of really owning every word as opposed to just blah, 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 right? Um, it's called articulation. And I do these exercises. We could we could try one really quickly. Let's do it. With the clients, I often find, especially Kiwis, they can go, hey, hey, yeah, mate, and they tend to not, and they don't really articulate much, and they kind of like, they're just kind of like, the words, they don't move with their mouth much. It kind of goes like this. So I say, what if, I'm doing it now, what if you imagined that you were speaking to an audience of deaf people who needed to read your lips. If I knew that, I would over-articulate. I'm exaggerating now to make yeah, a point. You guys should see her. It's you great. Would, <laughs> you would over-exaggerate and energize your lips. It does two things. 
if I am energizing my lips, I want you to try this on your next show, Natalie. If I am over-energizing my lips, it slows me down because I cannot get the words out as fast as I would if I weren't talking to an audience of hard of hearing people. But because I know you need to read my lips, I am intentionally crafting every word, right? So that can help. The other thing is for people, I've often worked, like I've worked with a couple of lawyers who are really smart and smart people, accountants, lawyers, um, engineers, really smart, but they don't articulate. And so they don't get the promotion. They don't get the leadership positions because they don't have that gravitas or that sense of weightiness about their speech. So we do tongue twisters like this, okay? Um, Try one. (laughs) Say three times, I'm gonna challenge you, say three times fast. And if you're listening at home, you can try this too. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Okay. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Oh my gosh. Red leather, <laughs> yellow leather, red. That is really hard. <laughs> so the, the thing is, it's fun with kids as well, because I teach, the, you know, I've taught, I've taught at schools as well, because children don't learn the art of articulation. Mm. And especially, you know, they're, they're on YouTube, they're on video games. They're not working on their speech. Um, so we do things like this. Uh, let's see. She sells seashells by the seashore. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. If she sells seashells by the seashore, where are the seashore shells she sells? Wow, I've never heard that extended version. Okay, so we'll just 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 for just try it with me real quick, and you'll see how it moves your lips and how different it makes you feel. I'll do it a little little bit at a time. She sells seashells. She sells seashells by the seashore. By the seashore. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. If she sells seashells by the seashore. If she sells seashells by the seashore. Where are the seashore shells she sells? (laughs) Are the seashore shells she sells? Very good. (laughs) So... I'm just showing you a fun thing, but I've got lots of tongue twisters that I do with business clients because it's a silly, fun exercise, but it really helps. The other thing you can do, and let's try this. I think this is even more powerful, is together with energizing your lips, you can empower your sense of gravitas, vision, leadership by reading inspirational poetry out loud. So I get people to pick up a poem that they love. I, I have ones that I use, and I'll show you one. One of my favorites I learned, I went to acting school when I was, oh, I was 25, and we had to memorize a poem and to say it with, um, with presence. And this one is The Journey by Mary Oliver. I'm going to recite it because I think it's so great, and I'd love people to hear it. but also. They can replay it. And if you say this poem, for me, I feel as if it embodies confidence and courage. It embodies that sense that we all, many of us went through in 2021, 20, 22 of, oh my gosh, I've got to leave the crowd. 
I may not be liked. I, I, I can't believe I'm leaving all these people I love. I can't believe I have to separate myself. This is so sad. And yet I must walk to the tune of the truth. And this poem encapsulates that. Here we go. And when I, I'll just say the whole thing. I usually do it line at a time when I'm doing it with an audience, but I will just do it straight through so you can get the feel. Okay. Mary Oliver, The Journey. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Though the whole house began to tremble and you felt that old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late, enough, and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to shh. Ooh, sorry, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. So you see um, those kind of, I've, I've got a whole bunch of them there, but this is not a poetry hour. <laughs> I could say more poems, but I really love the point being is that if, if you're listening at home, if you have a favorite poet or if you don't have a favorite poet, but you want to inspire yourself to be more passionate and more powerful in your speech, read a powerful poet. Um, read some sort of inspirational speech. You can Google inspiration. Yes, would they do that as a practice, um, obviously in the prep, but also just prior to presenting or to presenting the report or the workshop or the webinar or whatever it might be? Yes. Yes. Um, very good point. You can do it just prior to the webinar. I also recommend singing. I also recommend walking. So if I'm about to, um, here's another tip. If you're going to give a speech, okay, let's say you've been invited as a keynote speaker, always sit in the back of the room. Don't sit next to the MC because what happens is if you sit next to the MC, when they call you up and you've been sitting for an hour, you just stand up in place and you haven't been able to energize your endorphins. If you're in the back of the room and they say, ladies and gentlemen, Natalie Cutler Welsh, 
you can stride and breathe deeply and get your mojo going. So by the time you get up to the stage, you are fully energized, breathing, and you have been able to walk in your confident walk. I always say, act as if. So if I am walking in an energized way, um, when I get up to speak, when I speak rather, I will be much more passionate and on purpose. Okay. So I always tell people, a lot of the clients, I say, look, before a big meeting or a presentation or a sales call, go into the loo and do your breathing. If you can be somewhere private, like in your car, sing, um, go walk around the block as if you are the most confident person on earth, because fake it till you make it. I, you've probably said a lot of these things yourself, I imagine. I say um, believe until you achieve. What do you say? Believe until you achieve. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. To, that, that's better than fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, but I, I'm a real big believer in Tassawari. Have you heard of that concept? No. Tassawari is a Sufi word, and it means step into the shoes of. So if you have somebody that you revere as somebody who's super confident and super brave and who has a really lovely voice and and you think oh gosh I really would love to have that kind of presence you act as if you step step into it's an acting exercise as well and it's a sufi spiritual practice to act as if you are moving with the legs of that person, you are speaking with the words of that person. You are, um, you are looking with the eyes of that person. You're acting as if you are that enlightened being. You are acting as if you are the most, you know, you know, the um, powerful in charge CEO. And it's not faking it; it's tasawari. So you're taking on through empathy, and this is what actors do all the time. You, you take on through empathizing with that character. Um, what must it feel like to be that person? What must it have felt like to stand up and give that speech? Gosh, that person's brave. What, what if I walked like them? What if I talked like them? What if I moved like them? Not being fake. It's not saying don't be yourself, but it's saying we are all connected. We have all aspects within us. You know, you're talking about the amiable. I believe we've got all the types, but we obviously have dominant tendencies. We can, through empathy, get into all of the types and, um, and feel as if. And again, that's one other tip. You know, when you're speaking to somebody, if you know what type of personality they are, get into their body. What, you know, how would they speak? I have often, you know, when I'm talking to an introverted person, I sometimes have blasted them with my enthusiasm. And that's not necessarily the best way. I can be like this with you because I know you're also an enthusiastic person, right? So you just... I am. I am one of the other types, I call it the expressives. So the expressives... The drivers, they're like, yep, yep, what's your point? You know, the expressives, they love to talk. They smile at you from the audience. They're, they're basically cheering you on with their, their body language. The analytics who want the facts and the figures, they're like, show me the data. Um, and, the, and the 
analytics, amiables, expressives, and drivers. Yep. That's the four types of people in the audience, but you're right. I'm an, I'm actually an expressive driver. So I am also a person that's like, yep, yep. Give me some strategies. So I love that you're giving us these practical examples. And per, by the way, audience that are listening, I would love to hear from you. Um, if you can apply any of these techniques, either the flat tire technique that Sally mentioned, or maybe reading some motivational, some poetry to yourself before you go and have a give a report or a presentation or a meeting, you can text us in 2057. Let us know how you go um, to really express yourself with your own vocal leadership. Sally, I would love to hear from you a little bit more about your book. Congratulations. Writing a book is, it, it's a big, it's a big undertaking. And what I love is the way that you actually in lockdown, how you said you worked with these women or these people for six months. What a great idea, walking them through your book. That's such a brilliant um, way to really empower people and bring people together. So what are the six keys that you mentioned? I don't know if you have time for all six, but let us know at least three of them that you mentioned in your book. Sure. I won't get into the detail of them. I'll just say um, as part of making the book readable, The Voice of Leadership, I made all of the six keys start with V. Mm-hmm. So chapter one is voice. Chapter two is vision. Chapter three is values, getting clear on those values. Chapter four is vitality. You got to be healthy and happy. Chapter five is visibility, which I know you're very good at. And chapter six is veneration. Veneration, I know people, what's that? I've had to make it because it was a V. Veneration is treating yourself and others with deep respect and reverence. Um, it's often used, you know, in, in a spiritual context as we venerate saints, you know, venerate. But it's treating yourself and others as deeply worthy of respect, honor, and um, care. So those are the six keys. And what I do, basically the way the book works is that it's kind of like a workbook where there's a bit of a chapter on my story about how I came to learn these things. Cause as you know, you've got, you teach what you need to learn. <laughs> um, so there's a bit of a story. Then I have practical. I'm really into those. I'm like you driver expressor. I'm really into the practical exercises. So each chapter has practical exercises to strengthen that, um, that quality. And I also have a um, free self-assessment, voice of leadership self-assessment on my website that people can go in and answer 30 questions to see and rate themselves to see how they are doing on these six keys. Oh, I love, I love that kind of thing. I love little quizzes like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's amazing. I'd love to ask you, I will ask you in a minute about how they can connect connect with you, but if they do want to do that quiz thing, um, where can they find that? Okay, so my website is is basically my name, Sally Mabel. That's S A L L Y M A B E L L E dot com. SallyMabel.com. And if they scroll down the home page, they'll see free self-assessment. Um, and there's podcasts and other little tips and things like that. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, I'm coming to the part where I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask all of my guests. Number one is the up your brave question. And I'd love um, those of you that are listening today, I would love you to think of this for yourself as well. Okay. So the question is, what is one thing that you have done, achieved, or navigated through 
in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Okay. What comes to mind was proceeding with my voice class in the public hall while most people were hauled up afraid in their houses. And it was mask-free with doors open and windows open, we're responsible. But I led a mask-free singing class in public. And I had some phone calls from the neighbors who were not happy with me. One lady called me and um, said she was going to sign up, but now that she found out that I'm not requiring vaccine passes. She's not coming and she can't believe that I would not. Um, I said, no, I am not. I am inclusive. Everyone is welcome. And they didn't like that. So that was quite brave of me to, as a new person in Topo, to lead a class. You really made somebody, Yeah. So that was probably my thing that stands out. That's great. I love that. Um, okay. And the next one is the bucket list. So what is one thing on your bucket list, which is something you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that possibly the RCR wider community can help you with? Oh, gosh. Well, gosh. One thing we haven't spoken about is I am a leader of the Dances of Universal Peace. And one of my, you know, my bucket list is to lead these dances with multicultural audiences, because many of the folks who come to these dances of universal peace retreats and events are, you know, uh, what should I say? It's not particularly multi-ethnic, put it that way. Um, but I am going to an Indian festival and I'm going to lead them at the Indian festival with many people from India. So that'll be good. So I, one of my dreams is to have a multi, I, I'm seeing a sort of multicultural groups come together, singing, laughing, sharing, eating together, dancing, um, and not have it be just, you know, the Pakiha, middle-class Pakiha folks, or just the folks of one religion or one group. But I really, um, I really envision a whole world, you know, of uh, love, harmony, and beauty. That's my idealist minister self-speaking. I love that. So you want to make that happen? Yeah. It's funny because, you know, before we clicked record, I said to you, do you know what type of human design type you are, energy type? And you said, you're not sure. But I said, I think you're a manifesting generator. The more I get to know you, especially this multi-passionate, you know, it's not so much pots on the boil. It's multi-passionate projects and the power to reinvent yourself. We got to check afterwards. I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. Okay. So my next question is what's coming up for you in the next few months that, that would be good for us to know about and how can we connect with you? You've mentioned your website. Maybe you're also on, on LinkedIn or Instagram or something as well. Yes. Thank you. I am Sally Mabel on LinkedIn. Uh, also I am Topo UU. The fellowship is Topo UU, which is big, two big U's.com Topo UU.com. Um, some things coming up. All right. June, I'm very excited. Uh, June 24th at winter solstice, I'm collaborating with Alice C. I don't know if you know Alice C, but she's a beautiful singer, musician, and we're going to be offering something in Mount Monganui, June 24th for the winter solstice with dances and song and community potluck and such. So that's happening. Um, June 19th, it's going to be winter solstice gathering in Topo. Um, and that you can see the details at topouu.com. And then 
let's see what else I've got. Oh, and the July 21st, I'm actually going to the States. Anybody want to come to the States with me and escape the New Zealand winter? I'm offering a retreat. It's called Summer's Harvest Retreat. It'll be depth of winter here. It'll be high summer there. Um, and it's a weekend retreat on 57 wood, wooded acres um, with song and dance and voice empowerment and community. It's going to be wonderful. That's 21st of July. And then if you're into this, um, if you're into that, share my same vision, the 12th to the 18th of January in Topo at the Tohara Retreat Center will be a Dance of Universal Peace camp with a particularly wonderful international leader coming. And there's about 180 of us gather um, with their, there's workshops and there's um, opportunity for you to share your skills as well as to engage in these large circle um, dances, which are really moving meditations to increase your presence and your joy and your creative confidence. I think the timing for that is so divine, meaning I do feel like people are ready to not just work hard nine to five, whatever, and have the weekend off. They, it's, they're coming into their bodies more. They're expressing their voice more and moving their bodies, um, singing. There's nothing like, you know, raising their frequency. So I think these are amazing events. So people, you can find it taupouu.com. I'm actually coming to Taupo in July for school holidays. It's my dad's 80th. And my sister's coming over from America. She lives in America with her four kids and her husband. They're coming over. First time we're going to see them in four years. Uh, my other sister's coming down from Tauranga. It's going to be awesome. So maybe you and I will get to meet IRL in real life. I would love to meet you in real life. That would be fabulous. Yes. Let's arrange it. All right. Hey, before we wrap things up, Sally, is there anything else that you'd love to share with our audience today? Oh, golly. So much. but. Hmm. I think I will just leave you with one short little poem, tiny little poem by Derek Walcott, Jamaican poet. The time will come when with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror. And each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit, feast on your life. Ooh, thank you so much. Well, I'm excited for people to go and try some of these um, ideas and activities that you've mentioned today. Thank you so much, Sally, for joining us and sharing your wisdom. Thank you, Natalie. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for, um, for the time and for listening and look forward to meeting you. Amazing. Thanks so much, Sally. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.